Welcome to your Life by Design podcast, the show that will have you seeing how magical you truly are so you can start designing a desired and fulfilled life. Hi, I'm Karen Galway, a certified human design reader, a 6-3 manifesting generator, and an energetic embodiment coach who is completely obsessed with helping you step out from your shadows and leap into your light. And in true 6-3 manifesting generator form, this podcast will not just be about human design, but rather the tools you need to call in the desires in all areas of your life. View it as your tool book, not your rule book. Take what resonates and leave what doesn't. This podcast is for the women who are ready to become paradigm shifters, subconscious mind wizards, and healers of their own life. They are ready to rediscover themselves so that they can fully show up as who they came here to be and live a life by their design. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome to another episode I've been spending a lot of time talking about Meet Your Edge, and I referenced that it includes human design and rapid resolution therapy, and I've had several episodes on this podcast, not in this project, but your Life by Design podcast, where I dive into human design, why I love it, um, how to look into it, how to read your own chart, what are aspects of it that can help you understand yourself more, and so I feel like people at this point, you're have a probably more of a solid understanding what human design is, but probably not so much about rapid resolution therapy. I feel like it's really gotten a name for itself over the past year and a half. A lot more coaches and therapists are actually getting trained in it. And I think we're going to see a lot more of it. I think we're going to see a lot more of it being used with kids. I certainly use it with my son at times. And we're going to see more coaches being used to being, sorry, we're going to see more coaches using it. We're going to see like more presence. And of course it's in the programs that I have. And so I want to spend this episode talking to you about what is resolution therapy? What is it? And so you've probably seen the acronym RRT. That's what it stands for. So let's talk about the RRT perspective and why it works so well, what it is. We'll just go from there. So RRT was developed by Dr. John Connolly. And he's been, he is a, I believe a psychotherapist, but he actually created this approach to work with sexual trauma victims and I think war veterans as well with PTSD. And he found that by taking them through an RRT approach, you're not reliving the trauma. You're not constantly talking about it. You're not being stuck in that loop. You're not using strategies to help you through it when the intense feelings come up. It's you're literally clearing it. And it is so effective that we can use it to clear any limiting belief. We can use it to clear fear. We can use it to clear shame. We can use it to clear so many things that is preventing us from moving forward, which is why I included in Meet Your Edge because I want Meet Your Edge to be the program that you come to when you're ready to expand and live on that edge, right? When you're ready to make that leap, but it feels scary and you know what your gifts are, you know what your purpose is, you know your mission, you've heard it, you see it in your human design chart, it's mapped out for you, but taking that leap to it is so scary and all these fears come up and I want you to be able to have a clear mind and to be able to move through it. And so that's why I've included RRT, but the RRT perspective basically is this. As humans, we have we have two minds. We have an advanced mind and we have a primitive mind. And that's what separates us from other animals, right? Other mammals is that we have those two minds. So if we think about 
for example, the, if you ever have heard Dr. John Connolly talk about, he always talks about zebras and lions. So we're just going to go ahead with that. So if you are talking about a zebra who is grazing on the grass in the safari and a lion is starting to creep up and the lion sees, or rather the zebra sees the lion and now has all this fear coming in and it takes off and running, right? The only thing that this zebra is worried about is not outrunning the lion, outrunning the slowest zebra, right? That's the only thing. And once the lion catches the, the slowest zebra, that the other zebras can go back to grazing again. It's like the fear, the trigger is gone. With humans, because we have that primitive mind as well, we have that part of our mind that creates feelings, these emotions of fear, which is to get our body to do something, right? So emotion is energy in motion, to get our body to do something with fear. It's the blood runs from our brain to our legs so we can run out, like outrun that threat as fast as we can. But with humans, because of our advanced mind, because we have a frontal lobe cortex, and we have everything that makes us like incredible beings that we can rationalize, we can think of the past and learn our lessons, we can think of the future and apply things to the future, we can map things out like it's that's why like with humans, we can we're so brilliant right because we have these this advanced mind. What happens is anytime you think about the past of what happened. Anytime you talk about it, if it's not processed, it's triggering the subconscious mind to create those feelings again. Okay. So we have these two minds and it, when it comes to traumas and past experiences and how we were raised, which I'll get to in a few minutes, it can have us reliving and staying stuck in the same emotions over and over again. Our mind feels or our mind is clear and becomes clear when we can entertain what is good to have done and possible to do. When we're able to entertain those two things, our mind is clear. Now, if we are entertaining the idea of something that happened two years ago and we're like, I wish that never happened. I wish I could have done something different. You can't change it. It's not possible to do. So your mind is not clear. And every time you go back into, I wish I could have changed it. I wish I didn't do that. You're creating the subconscious mind thinks it's happening again. It's creating those feelings, right? But there's nothing you can do about it. It's not possible to go back in the past and change. When your mind entertains what is good to have done. So let's say it might be good to, it might be, it's good to eat a healthy meal, right? It wants to entertain what is good to have done. Examples that we're often given is the discrepancy between the two. It is possible to sit down and eat a dozen donuts. It's not good to have done that, <laughs> right? It might feel good to think about a celebrity crush and meeting it, but it's not possible, most likely not possible to do that or like to go on a date with a celebrity crush or whatever, right? And so when we, when our mind attaches meaning or value to things that are not good to have done, or not possible to do, it can create those feelings of depression and anxiety because they're, because it's not, it can't happen. And the, but the subconscious mind doesn't know that. So let's picture with me for a minute, 
a colander, right? A strainer. And you're at the beach and you're putting sand in it and you're shaking it through and you have pieces of sand that are coming through. Now let's imagine that every granule of sand is actually data from experiences. Experiences happen and then they're over. What remains is the data from that experience, right? Like we can recall on the smell, we can recall on the feelings, we can recall on, we can visualize the imagery. That's the data. The experience is no longer happening. And sometimes there are like, if you ever, if you, again, picture with me, like you're shaking the sand out through the colander and you have globs of sand, like wet sand that's stuck that won't make it through the colander. Okay. That represents data that's not processed. So the data is coming through the colander, it's being processed away. And the data that's remaining in the colander is data that's not processed. So our mind has a processor and what ends up happening, it processes the data. So it has almost like an active file and an inactive file. So if I were to ask you, did you get a shower yesterday? What shampoo did you use? What soap did you use? You're able to recall on the data. You don't think about it after it's done because the data that experience has been processed in the inactive file is no longer needed. When there is a traumatic event or something that represents moralistic upbringing, like feelings of pride or shame or blame, which I'm going to get into a little bit more in a few minutes about that. It attaches the data and the data is not able to get process. So it stays stuck in this active file and it becomes reactivated. If there's something structurally similar, that's something that makes you have these feelings that come up again, that's structurally similar to what it was before. Kind of like a war vet who now gets re-traumatized every time they hear fireworks, right? Because the data from when they were in the war didn't get filed away, saying this active file. So it gets reactivated when there's something structurally similar. So the sound of the fireworks, the sound similar to gunshots, recreates the feelings that it's something is there that's happening. So if we can imagine that it's the, there's a glitch in the way that the data is being processed, right? That the data is not moving through the processor and going to and filed away in the inactive file, the data is, there's a glitch and it's staying in the active file. Now, before we go a little bit further into how we clear that, I want to talk a little bit about moralistic upbringing. So when we're babies, when babies are born, right, they learn very quickly who the food deliverer is, who provides the milk, right? Have you ever been, I remember this with my son where my, I remember my dad would hold him and he'd be crying and he'd pass him off to me. Like he was just weeks old and he'd pass him off to me. And as soon as he was in my arms, he would like, he'd be fine. Right. We would always joke because he knew me. He knew I was the one that was like going to give him the milk, like he felt safe, whether he intuitively, whether clearly he didn't know that from like a cognitive sense, but he knew that from like a feeling sense. And so as we grow up, we learn that if we're good enough, we're going to get fed. We're not going to send, be sent to timeout. We're not going to be sent to our room without dinner. If we're good enough, we're going to survive. Right. And as we grow older and our brain becomes more developed and we're able to realize that, okay, that's not the case. We're going to, we're going to survive anyways. Those preliminary beliefs, those foundational beliefs are still there. And that's a moralistic upbringing, right? The, the the pride, like, I'm so proud of you when you do X, the blame, like, how could you have done that? Or why did you do that? 
Um, and so those feelings, so if you think about, I'm going to take weight as an example, I think a lot of women can identify to this. If you were raised around a family where there's a lot of attention around weight, and if you lost weight and you look good, like you were probably, there's a lot of pride around that. Maybe you were teased by peers of because you had too much weight on. Maybe you saw your parents shaming themselves because they had too much weight on. And so all of a sudden you've created this identity about your worth being good enough is based on how you look, right? And so you, you're raised around that, you grow up and then you're an adult and you put a pair of pants on after Christmas break and they just don't button up or zip up. And you're like, oh my gosh, I feel awful. What is wrong with me? It's triggering what's structurally similar. And whenever we have those feelings of we're proud of ourselves, we're shaming ourselves, we're blaming ourselves, those are usually because of that moralistic upbringing. So the key is with rapid resolution therapy is clearing, is moving the data that's in this active file to this inactive file. Because when it remains in that active file, it will, and it reactivates again through similar experiences or something that like, again, might be structurally similar. It's going to cause the subconscious mind to create the emotions to get you to take action on something that no longer exists. So it's not possible to do. And the way that they, there's different aspects to how RRT works, but the way that it, it, it basically works is the subconscious mind really resonates with imagery. It resonates with experiences and feelings. And so it's using like metaphors and different imagery to help clear that and put it into the active file. One of the brilliant things that I love about RRT that Dr. John Connolly has said, and when I've, I received it myself, I've actually received it myself around feelings of shame regarding a decision that, that I made that led to weight. So this example I was giving earlier was very much something that from my own background, basically your brain kind of creates this lock, right? It, this glitch that is stuck and but then what ends up happening is that your brain actually creates the key to unlock it, to be able to move it. And it's something that you do on your own. You're guided to do it, but you do on your own and you're able to unlock it. And eventually that data is able to be filed away. And when that data is able to be filed away, your brain is clear. Now, what happens when your brain is clear? You can think more clearly. You can, you have more energy. You're able to focus and you're able to look at something that might have felt scary or impossible at one point to be like, oh, I can do this. And feelings, I mentioned the example of fear between the lion and the zebra. Fear really, the fear's intention, the purpose behind fear is to get you to run out of a threat, right? Is to have that brain drain or the blood drain from your brain, go to your legs so you can outrun. If you are stuck in fear because you're, there's a glitch that's creating the feelings of fear, over something that no longer exists, you're not able to think clearly. You're not able to think rationally. You're not able to think strategically because all you're able to think in that moment is let's get out right now. Like in this moment, let's just, it's like this, this impulsive thinking essentially. And you're more likely to follow other people telling you what to do because you can't think clearly for yourself. You're more likely to fall into conditioning and programming 
because that feels familiar. And if it reinstates that, yeah, let's do this. And if there's something that reinstating that conditioning and programming, it's going to make sense for you to follow it as opposed to be able to think clearly, oh, is this still for me? And so that's why I love RRT is because we're able to clear the mind. So you can think strategically, you can think um, clearly, you can focus on the next step. So that is basically a brief summary of RRT, a rapid resolution therapy. It is an incredible program. And I'll tell you really quickly about an experience that I had. So when I was going through the certification program, I think I started it back in May. And the way that RT, if you're interested in getting trained in it, the way that it's set up is you just don't do this 16 hour training and then go off and help people. I guess you could, but you really have to keep delving into it and diving into it and build that muscle of how to use it. Cause it's not here is a hierarchy. Here's what you need to do. It's almost like you need to be so trained and so good at it that you intuitively know how to lead people through it, through the program. And so it was at the last session, right? Towards, it was like the 16th hour basically. And Dr. Connolly had asked if anyone had any questions and I had raised my hand and I said, I am stuck in this shame spiral where I cannot get out of it. And I'm thinking about it over and over again. And it was related to it. And I, all I said was it was a decision that I made that led to a lot of weight. And what that decision was, I had joined a different type of gym and I, without getting into too much detail about it, the gym is amazing. The owner is amazing. The people there were amazing. I really enjoyed being there, but the style of workout was basically a shock to my body. I wasn't nourishing my body enough for it. I, I started too quick and too fast as opposed to building up my stamina towards it. And so it basically created this hormonal shitstorm in my body. And I kept replaying that decision over again, like walking in that first day, like replaying, like, why did I walk in? Why did I do that? Why did I feel like I had to do it? Why didn't I eat enough? Why didn't I hire someone to help me with the food? So I was getting enough protein to, and enough food to nourish my body to, to basically have the stamina to endure these workouts. Why can I do this way? And it was like this shame spiral. And I had, I remember having um, an RRT session around it with someone else who cleared a lot of it, but it was still like this piece of that decision walking in. And I worked with him, I think it was like 15, 20 minutes and you guys cleared it, absolutely cleared it. And at the end, so you basically create a baseline of like, how are you feeling now? What does that feel like? And then towards the end is I want you to bring up that feeling. I could not bring up the feeling of shame. It was gone. I don't even have it now talking about it. Like it's, it's completely gone and it's incredible how it works without having to come up with strategies to work through it. I had one person say to me, like, can't you just accept the fact it's okay that you had this weight on? And then that's just okay. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm still like wrestling with this idea. It's still something that I'm working my way through it's still like something where like it comes up i have to okay take a deep breath and rationalize like i don't have to do any of that because it's completely gone that's the power of rrt that's why i got trained in it and that's why i have it in the meet your edge program and this is why you guys i think everyone because everyone is going to experience moralistic upbringing as parents sometimes we have to use moralistic upbringing sometimes we have to use pride to teach our toddler that we're so proud of them that they peed in the potty and not in the car, right? Everyone has experienced moralistic upbringing. You can be the perfect parent out there and there will still be moralistic upbringing. And so everyone can benefit from RRT. 
Anyways, that is it. That is my episode on RRT. I love it. If you have any questions, please message me on Instagram at I am Karen Galway. And if you want to check out the the Meet Your Edge program, please go ahead and click the link in the show notes or message me on Instagram. And I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. I understand how valuable your time is and I'm honored that you spent it with me. And if you enjoyed this podcast episode, I would love it if you could leave a five-star rating as well as a review on Apple Podcasts. This just takes a few minutes, but it would mean so much to me as I work to get my message out to the world. And as a thank you for your support, if you screenshot this podcast episode, post it on Instagram stories and tag me at I am Karen Galway. I will send you a free guide to understanding your human design so that you can start living a life by your design. I'll see you on the next episode.